Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch into another week of fun and excitement. It is Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com, the place to go. The feature's on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Gardner, you were just saying uh, moments before airtime that a liberty-oriented bookseller is going out of business. Yes, and uh, I was—it's kind of bad news. Yes, this is uh, this is uh, a real sad occasion, and it's uh, a real historical moment. Um, historic moment. Uh, Laissez-faire books is going to be going out of business. One-time advertiser uh, with Free Talk Live. And yes. I'm, so, I'm sad to hear that. Yes, yes. I'm very disappointed. Laissez-faire was one of the key instruments that helped uh, bring me to the freedom philosophy even more deeply than I already believed in it. And uh, just their catalogs that they would send out were so full of information that you could walk away having been educated just from reading the book catalogs about the books. Uh, people like Jim Powell and Kathleen over there doing great jobs. And so uh, it's disappointing. They had been... Uh, they had become part of the Center for Libertarian Thought for a little while. They had been on their own uh, prior to that. But, uh, you know, best of luck to everybody over at uh, LFB. Wow, because yeah. I, uh, I was working on this audio book that yeah. really I haven't been working on, but I really should be working on it. It's been on my list of things to do. Uh, I was turning The Market for Liberty, which is a book that they hold the copyright to, into an audio book. And I have permission from them to do this. The, old, the original idea was I would turn it into an audio book and offer a free version on our website for download, and then there'd be a link to where someone could go and purchase it from LFB. Great. That's obviously not going to be possible at this yeah, point. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I mean, I'm not going to stop turning the book into an audio book. I'm going to keep doing that because I had their permission, so I figure I'll, I'll keep doing it yeah. anyway. That's great. Um, but. And that's that's yeah, a bummer. And really, that's actually really the bad. second uh, liberty-oriented book source that's gone out of business in I think two years. No, really? Because what was the other one? That it was uh, the one. There was oh. another one. Uh, Loom Panics. Loom Panics. Loom Panics yeah. was Panics, the other one. They're out too. Oh, yeah, they've been out. Yeah. Wow. They went down about two years ago, and it was oh. it was just basically. Uh, I remember they they the email they sent out or the letter they sent out was yeah. and Loom Panics was a little bit more. Kooky, yeah, I guess. Esoteric than and LFB. unusual, yeah. Like if you wanted to learn uh, how to break somebody's neck with a pinch of your finger, yeah. you could go and get that kind right. of book. You could still go to uh, Paladin Press and get the uh, the Dragon Touch right. book or whatever. <laughs> they, they had a lot of that, those kinds Survivalist of Survivalist stuff, yeah. And, right. And, uh, but they also the, had a lot of Liberty books, uh, same, like a similar mm-hmm. catalog to, to LFB on yeah. the Liberty side. Yeah. And the, their reason was it was just that – you know, the the, uh, the online booksellers like Amazon, which, of course, Amazon.freetalklive.com is going to be where you're going to have to get your books yep. from, na- uh, from yep. now on. But the uh, the online booksellers were just whittling away at uh, at their profits and their sales, and it, yeah. was just, it just wasn't worth it for them anymore. Yeah, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, LFB offered to match uh, anything that Amazon would provide as far as discounts, but I think just the general trend for people's attention always uh, brought them back to Amazon. And uh, what can you say? You know, Amazon does a great job, so more power to them. But it's hard to see the specialty uh, laissez-faire books gone. They even had a shop in New York City for a while. Did My they? friend Bruce Wood used to go down there, and uh, you know he was studying with Israel Kirsner down at NYU. And then he, you know, we'd get together and, and hang out and talk about all the books. And it was, it was, uh, you know, it's it's a real, uh, it's a watershed uh, seeing LFB go. That's so. got to be even more difficult. Uh, I mean, to actually have a a, a a location that you have to pay rent on in order to a storefront location yeah. to keep that going. Yeah. yeah what uh, I was thinking uh, when Gardner was uh, giving us the bad news here was, uh, 
you know, it's one thing to send out. It costs a lot of money to produce a catalog every single sure. uh, month or every other month or every quarter or whenever it was produced. Yeah. But um, isn't there a way that they could just run the website? I mean, well, is in it fact, not producing enough uh, revenue? I well, it's funny because I was on the phone with Kathleen I, maybe about a month ago or a month and a half ago or more than that now. And, um, she's really nice. Yeah, she's a really nice woman. And um, Kathleen was telling me that they were going to be cutting out the catalog and they were just going to be going online. But I guess even that wasn't going to be enough savings. Hmm. So uh, that's too bad. It says, uh, they're sad. I just have the email here. It's sad to announce that Let's Say Fair Books is going out of business. The book market has changed tremendously over the past 30 plus years, and it has gotten harder and harder for a small niche bookseller to cover expenses. I suppose the market has spoken. I want our loyal customers, supporters, and friends, especially our associates, to know how much your support has meant to everyone at LFB over the years. And if you're just finding the freedom philosophy, um, you know, the internet is a great resource. But the ease with which you could turn to laissez-faire books, uh, you didn't need to network, you didn't need to hook up, you didn't need to find anything. All you had to do was find laissez-faire books, and you'd find hundreds and hundreds of books ranging from Ayn Rand to Bastier to uh, Henry Hazlitt to uh, Leonard Reed, Sheldon Richmond, um, uh, Thomas Sowell, and, and, and Von Mises and Hayek. You know? Well, we it should look great. on the bright side here. I mean, they've made the announcement. It's it's going to be over yep. with. I don't know what the date is they're going to close their door. Does it say that in the email? Uh, let's There's see. There's going to have to be a liquidation, and that's going to be the bright side for anybody that's been you know holding out on maybe purchasing some books yeah. or something like that. Yeah. There w- it, well, in fact, it was funny because I was up till about 1 in the morning last night going to the website. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, they're going to be clearing out stuff. There's There are things that are already gone. So, uh, shoot, maybe I shouldn't be announcing this on your show because I'm going to get online and start getting the books. But, uh, you know, what I'm doing actually is I'm making copies of the pages. I'm going to make copies of the pages and any of the books that they don't have, I'm going to keep uh, the ones that I think are interesting and put them in, put, keep them in a Word file and then just start searching for them. If I can't get them through laissez-faire, eventually I'll find them out there. Sure. Yeah, that's that'll be the way to do it. So if I can't get them right now, I'll get them eventually. You know, so anyway, there's there's the sad news, I suppose, and uh, the good news. Um, um, let me see. Torch was is really good on BBC America. I don't know what that is. No, I don't it's watch a Doctor TV. Who spinoff. I'm just a geek. Oh right, yeah, you told me about that last <laughs> it's week. It's awesome. Anyway, um, so I don't know. I, I don't think it, that if people should look at this and say, "Oh no, liberty-oriented booksellers are going out of business. No one wants liberty anymore." I don't know if that's necessarily. Yeah, the case. I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. Are there any socialist-oriented booksellers that are out there that you know? Well, are, and, um, you know, the, the fact is, uh, marketplaces change. Yeah. You don't know exactly why it is that they're going out of business. I mean, you, you know, we could say that uh, that it's the um, market that, you know, just not enough people are buying books, but maybe that's not it. We just don't know. Um, it's jumping to a conclusion. So, mm, sure. Yeah, who knows? But there you go, folks. That's right. it. Our End number of an era. is 1-800-259-9231, and you, as always, can bring up whatever's on your mind. On the way here, Gardner, you're going to tell us about Texas Instruments, TI. The company <laughs> has been arrested. Not quite, but close, no. yes. Uh, a man calling himself TI, he's a very talented, talented artiste. <laughs> Uh, actually, his stuff isn't all that bad. I guess I heard I really? was listening to some. Yeah, it's all right. It's a lot. It's sort of like DMX. You know, it's okay. I never so really someone heard someone shouting about him. into a microphone. Yeah, you know, he's got multiple. <laughs> sh- they got multiple layered shouts, and you know, the whole clickety click and with the multiple shouts, and it. So uh, he got arrested on, and and this is what tipped me off to it. And and you know, you can pick it up anytime you want, uh, folks. Uh, the the story is that he was arrested on gun charges on weapons violations 
Where and, was he arrested? Do, do we know? Uh, it appears that the court is in a, is U.S. District Court in Atlanta, so it must have been in Georgia. Okay, because I was concerned it might be in Los Angeles, where apparently they've been having contests to see who can make the most arrests. Uh, we'll get to the T.I. story <laughs> here in a moment, but, uh, but according to the Associated Press, sheriff's deputies have been competing in organized contests to see who can make the most arrests, who could impound the most cars, and who could question the most gang members. The contests were meant to boost morale and motivate deputies, but some observers are crying foul. Uh, one of the competitors or competitions outlined in the internal L.A. County Sheriff's Department email was Operation Any Booking. The object of the contest was to see who could arrest the most people in a 24-hour period. Lieutenant James God. Tetro uh, said, It's just a friendly competition to have a little fun out here. It's a morale booster. <laughs> Tetro said that when he joined the station in Lakewood, he noticed some patrol deputies made 15 to 20 arrests a month, while others made seven arrests in an entire year. The prize for winning is bragging rights. Uh, you know, this just goes to show that, in fact, it's police officers' job to arrest people. Yeah. And you know what? An it, indictment. It's, it's, not, it's not about, um, you know, enforcing keeping the law, or keeping people safe, or um, keeping the peace, or any of these things, protecting and serving. It's about arresting people. According uh, to... You know, some police officers probably don't view their job that way, but look... They're going going to, uh, you know, they're going to be the losers in this competition. Well, in fact, the... That's uh, not how their bosses feel. It's the police observers, some police observers that uh, were not impressed. The Washington, D.C.-based Police Foundation, uh, one of their... The president said, highly problematic and inappropriate. That's what he called yeah. these competitions. He said the arrest is one of the most potential, potent tools in the possession of a law enforcement officer and should be used with great thought. More on the way. You can take control. How many officers are thinking before arresting? on your mind, toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line, 1-800-259-9231. And it is Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. And uh, some of those features include updates. You get signed up. We will keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You'll know first if you're on the updates list. And you can get on it for free by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That is updates.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. As we uh, continue here, going to the phones here in moments, also on the way we'll talk about the arrest of a rapper, but not that not because we're a pop culture show or anything like that, because there's more to it than that. Uh, we'll explore that. But first, uh, the rest of the story, uh, Los Angeles, some police officers apparently were having organized contests to see who could arrest the most people, who could impound the most cars, uh, and who could question the most gang members in a 24-hour period. And... It's actually a process that's come under fire from some police people, including the Police Foundation from Washington, D.C., that says uh, their president said the arrest is one of the most potent tools in the possession of law enforcement and should be used with great thought. He says it's not a competition or a game. Los Angeles County Public Defender uh, Michael Judge wondered if the games could prompt deputies to make a legitimate arrest to boost numbers. Gee, you think? 
Uh, judge said, certainly it calls into question whether there was a legitimate reason to book any of the people who were booked during the time of the competition. I mean, think of... Uh, yes, it does. Uh, there must be plenty of offenses that could be arrestable that many officers will give people a pass on just because the laws are silly yeah. or whatever the deal is. There are so many silly, stupid, um, minutia-style laws out there that they could easily get... I mean, uh, maybe they could arrest you for not having a light on your license plate. You know what I mean? One of those Absolutely. little things. So, uh, who knows? Maybe they were just trumping up charges, maybe uh, pot, planting a little pl- uh, pot on the gang members, right. that sort of thing. So according, well, I would hope that they weren't doing such a thing. Such a thing, but even so, it's the um, LAPD we're talking about, Mark, to motivate. You ever heard of the Rampart Division? To incentivize a police officer to um to, to arrest people when he may or may not normally do so. That doesn't make any sense at all. According to a Times review of the records, Operation Any Booking didn't result in an increase in arrests on the day of the contest. But the impound competition may have increased the number of vehicles seized, with records showing a spike in vehicle seizures the day of the contest. Sheriff Lee Baca said the competitions were a well-meaning but poorly conceived idea that promoted the wrong values. Sheriff said, we're not into numbers, we're into quality, and I don't think it will occur again. Great, great. That's that's good to know uh, that, you know, at least not all police officers were cheering this one on. It certainly exposes a lot in the public eye out there. If they're in L.A. and they see all these things going on, these guys pushing for more arrests Mm -hmm. or for more, what do they say, for more um, impounds and arrests. Impounds and arrests. They ended up getting more impounds than they got arrests. They didn't increase the number of arrests. Uh, and, and either way, this is an indictment. I was mentioning off the air, you know, that either they weren't doing their job before. Or the, and not making enough arrests and impounds, mm-hmm. or now they're pushing it beyond what was normal and doing something which they really shouldn't be doing either, which is really getting in people's hair. So either they weren't doing it enough before, or uh, now they're doing it and, and bothering people. So they can't win either way, the cops in this situation. It was a dumb idea. Yeah, and the impounds, that's got to be worth some money for them, too, because... Um there's money there. I mean, they people usually pay on a daily basis for how long their car is impounded, yeah. uh, and they have to pay a flat fee to get it out as well. I hope, so, it's, I hope it's worth the loss that they're going to get in the public eye for all the hassles. I don't think they care. Well, it's not like they care. They, care. they don't have like a customer really service department or anything that's going to be concerned about this. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. You know, it doesn't. Police officers going to arrest uh, people that commit crimes like uh, stealing things and hurting people. They're going to arrest them anyway. Those are the one those are the people that are going to get arrested. That's now who maybe should be arrested. maybe um in the situation where two guys were fighting or something like that, they might not arrest somebody. And I don't necessarily think that uh, every time two guys fight that somebody should go to jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I think that if one guy jumps on another guy and starts beating him up, yes, you know, that guy should go to jail. Right. But if two guys decide we're going to fight and they do so, as far as I'm concerned, do so at your own peril. But, you know, it seems like most of these arrests would come from the area of, uh, I don't know, joints in cars, yeah. you know, things like that. Um, now, I guess the arrest didn't really go up, but the impounding could come from, you know, small amount of drugs found in cars and that kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. normally they would just say, let someone know, come and get the car. Toss the joint on the, the, the ground and grind Go it out. Merry way. Yeah. Yeah. Right, but even if they made an arrest, they don't necessarily have to impound. They could always uh, call somebody and have the car picked up, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. So uh, really, it's just a matter of being kind to people or not. You know, how, how nice do you want to be today? And on this particular day, it was 
you aren't supposed to be nice at all. Don't let anybody off and be mean and impound cars and and ruin people's days and, and ruin their lives. Because, you know, an arrest can really just throw a wrench into a good thing. You could have been, you could have been having a good life. You could have been getting along with people. And then all of a sudden, you get arrested for something piddly like uh, marijuana possession. You get your car impounded. And if you were having trouble paying the bills and putting food on the table for your kids, now you're going to have even more trouble. It certainly doesn't help getting a job. If there's a situation where... Where you have two employees, one with arrest, uh, an arrest record, and one without, or two potential employees, one w- with a arrest record, one without, and you have to choose between them. It doesn't right. even really matter what the story is behind that arrest. If all things, all other things are equal, you're like, eh. I'll take the one who hasn't been arrested. You're not even going to think past that. And a lot of police officers, and I'm not speaking for all of them, I say a lot of them, uh, they could care less about the personal lives uh, of the people that they're arresting. All they see is criminal. Punish him. Give him the fullest extent of the law. And they don't understand that the fact that you're just arresting this person for a, a simple possession of a joint might mean that he might not make it to, to work tonight and therefore lose his job because no one knows where he is. He hasn't been able to call anybody yet because he's been in the system processing for hours. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, all kinds of unintended consequences come out of this, yeah. but it doesn't affect the police officer. Nothing, you know, they just boost their little totals and their numbers, and that's all they care about. Isn't it, isn't it interesting, wrong. too, Ian, how... Uh, you know, so few people can really distinguish what supposedly is the proper rationale for police protection in the first place, which is not for these type of things that are consensual, you know, whether it's drugs or prostitution or anything like that, but for things that are aggression against other people. And I think part of the reason for that is, uh, you know, we mentioned this a, a couple months back, but uh, even the rationale for government as a protective force Everybody has different ideas on what the protection should be, mm-hmm. and you have your money forcibly taken from you for that protection force. I don't and think how is that at all ethical? It's it very isn't. difficult to justify. And I don't think even the police themselves are taught that it's their role to uh, protect people from no. force or fraud. There have been Supreme Court cases that say they they have no no uh, responsibility to protect people. And th- what they're taught is that it's their job to enforce the law. Yeah. And there's all kinds of laws out there for them to enforce. Yeah, more, right more than the police officers can possibly read in a lifetime. More oh, yeah. than, more than uh, obviously, the citizen would care to read in a lifetime. It would be a heck of a lot easier if we just had fewer laws, and that way everybody knew what they were. Right. I, I can think of a couple easy laws we should have. Don't hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. Don't steal don't things from them. Take their stuff, and don't destroy their stuff either. Okay? Yeah. I, w- I would sign on to a society like that. Don't Three. commit fraud. Yeah, that's a good one. If what it was else? just Anything a society else? and not government, then I'd sign on to it. Seems like enough to me. Seems yeah. to cover all the bases there. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. George Phillies is the right candidate for president. A serious, well-educated candidate who stands for the basic principles of liberty and the basic principles of this nation. Paid for by Phillies 2008. This is George Phillies, libertarian for president. I approved of this message. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features on the site for free. Uh, we've got all kinds of neat things there, including live streams, broadband version, and a dial-up version. Two sizes will fit virtually any Internet connection, and they're for free at bbs.free. Oh, excuse me, not bbs. <laughs> freetalklive.com, right there on the front page. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. 
Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones, to the fun. Talk to Wallbound in North Carolina. Wallbound, you're on Free Talk Live. Gentlemen, how hey. are you doing hey. What's on your mind, Wallbound? Uh, I got two questions. One's really about just basic fundamental rights. And another okay. one's for Mark over succession. Okay. He loves to talk about succession. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the first one is, do you actually have a right to be able to travel from point A to point B? I think if you have agreed with the private property owners in the first place, uh, if you're crossing over private property, then yeah. yes, you would have that right. There's point C okay. between. You've got to talk to point C owner. In this current world that we live in, there's this silly concept of uh, public property or the commons, and the theory is that, well, everyone owns a piece. And so if everybody owns a piece, then you shouldn't have to ask permission from anybody else to uh, to travel on it. And in the world where we live in, where there is this public property, but you, do have to ask, you should have the ability to you, travel. You do have to ask um, permission because driving is not a right. It's a privilege. Actually, oh, it's operating a motor right vehicle. Into that one. I am so glad you said that because I got upset the other night. You did two shows ago. I was just trying to catch up on the podcast. And I was hoping Ian would go to you into doing that, but... You just did it yourself. <laughs> okay. Let me explain something. If you, like you were de- screaming and yelling, you have uh, you have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the government is there to, to ensure that right, if you actually have a right to a life, then you actually have to provide for yourself. It's not a right for you to, it's actually a right for you to actually have, be able to provide for yourself. Sure. Correct. Yes. Okay, so if you can't provide for yourself and there is something infringing on that right and they now call it a privilege, it's, it's, it's just another way of taking your rights away from you. See, what you don't seem to understand is these roads, a lot of them were dirt. People rode horses on them. Yep. People actually drove automobiles on them without having to have the driver's license. Okay. Right. Wallbound, I totally understand and agree. Wallbound, I agree. I think that um, in a perfect, uh, you know, world of liberties, you know, where we all are able to do, you know, what we want as long as we don't hurt anyone else, that a driver's license would be, you know, something that we wouldn't need. What I was arguing with Ian about is, is that I think that probably the best place to start as far as getting our liberties is not the driver's license. And I think that Ian mostly agrees. Um, well, I just think that it – I think, you know, for people that are sort of advanced in the concepts of liberty like yourself, you get it. But 99.9% of Americans simply do not get it. And advocating getting rid of a driver's license, uh, it, it confuses them. We're much better off talking to them about, uh, you know, uh, legalizing drugs or lowering well, taxes or one of those things. 99% of the Americans may not understand it. But I don't believe in the 13% rule. That's what actually got this country that way. What is that? I actually believe it was less than 1% that actually got this country that way. And just as soon as the people wrote their names on the Declaration of Independence, uh, another maybe 12% jumped on the bandwagon and decided they would like to fight for this idea. Mm. But you're talking about a handful of men getting in a room in a nation of 13 colonies that actually decided to do that. That's that's what the revolution was all about. It was 1% who decided to do it, 
and they talk 12 more percent into fighting for it. I'm sort of in between the both of you. Uh, I mean, I, I, um, I'm not somebody who's going to go out there and trumpet this as my number one issue, um, but I also understand that when it comes up, and no, as my it number has, one issue is succession. I love and that Mar- one. That's Mark a good one. Mark made a comment that an individual, or somebody made a comment that uh, how would an individual have the right to succeed from the state or from the union, the individual, and not just necessarily the state. Okay, and there is a way to do that. Really? A sovereign citizen. Okay. You can become a sovereign citizen of the United States. Are you sure you it's a sovereign citizen, or is it a sovereign individual? Because the definition of citizen is one who I, owes... I'm really not sure. It's probably sovereign individual. Yeah. There's a whole process. And I don't think you can be sovereign and be a citizen at the same time. I think that uh, that basically a sovereign is an independent, right. whereas a citizen is someone who owes a duty of allegiance in return right. for right. Uh, protection right. from citizen, a government. You, you can become sovereign. It's like a sovereign nation. See... And that's another thing. The, the whole thing of succession states being able, he said, the states don't have the right to succeed. Well, Oh, I didn't say that. Somebody said that. Somebody may very well have said that, but I, I believe that a state, you know, if a state can have rights, um, that it, it should be within the purview of a state's power. Rights. To, what's states, that? I'm sorry, states don't have rights. Correct. Um, but it should be within the purview of a state's power to secede from uh, the the whole of the nation. I don't think... Um, if they join, they should be able to leave. Yeah, right. right. I mean, well, you know. Here's the thing. Before the Civil War, and right after the Revolutionary War, you had to meet a criteria of so many people in a settlement, in a colony, in order to become a state. Mm-hmm. Then you have to do your constitution for that state, all right? And then after you do that, you joined a union, which was the United States of America. If, like New Hampshire and North Carolina has in their contract, when they formed their state, their constitutional state, the right to succeed from the union, then the people in the electoral of that state actually do have the right to succeed. But unfortunately, Abraham Lincoln decided that, no, we do not have that right to succeed from right. his union. And you see, that's the problem with both of the, both of the points, is that it's bo- it, both of the issues are very, very difficult to fight, um, because if you want to drive around without having the state driver's license, then eventually one of their state thugs is going to pull you over, the man, in, you know, the man dressed in a uh, uniform carrying a badge. They're going to pull you over, and they aren't really going to care about the fact that you're a sovereign individual and that uh, you don't need their state driver's license. That's the, that's the real rub with that particular issue. Is, uh, it's a very difficult one to fight. You have to have a lot of uh, personal freedom. You have to have the ability to be able to go to jail, like Lauren Canario, who was arrested for not having God a driver's license yeah. uh, last week. She has the ability to go to jail, um, and uh, you know she's, she's self-employed or whatever to where she can do that. Most people, they can't fight that fight. So it's very, very difficult to get, to, to get people to rally behind that particular issue. Yeah. And the same thing thing with secession you know you get pulled over on the side of the road and the cop says well i don't see you you don't even have a driver's license you tell him well that's because i seceded personally and uh he's just not going to care about see that. now i believe well, that see, if i believe that got, if an got, individual well, decides to, to secede you gotta be willing to pay that price but it, it, it's like this i don't have license and, and according to north carolina i'm never ever going to be able to get them again mm-hmm. but there's going to come a time in my life when i'm going to have to get up i'm going to have to go do something and, and and try to make a living at, at something. Right. I mean, my retirement money is getting ready to run out. But I'm not going to get the 
national ID card. Me I don't neither. have a social security number anymore. I tore it up. I do not pay any taxes of any kind other than cigarette tax and gasoline tax if I decide to buy a gallon of gas for somebody to take me down to the store. Or I have to say that what you're doing while bound is valuable, and that's why I won't back away from it like Mark will. It, it may not be my number one issue, but when somebody wants to take this on as their own issue, I will get behind them 100% because it is absolutely absurd that somebody who can drive safely is not allowed to simply because some people calling themselves government don't like the idea. And I well, think the more people that we have, like Lauren or like you or uh, anybody else out there that is driving safely without a government license that we can point to and say, look how absurd this is. Why do we have to have this government paperwork? All this is is making you jump through a bunch of hoops in order to do one of the things that you need to do in this society today in order to live uh, a healthy, long, productive life. And Wallbound, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. As more and more respectable people get into trouble for not having the government papers, then it will become easier to point to and say, look how absurd these laws are. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. What do you think? This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com, including the bulletin board system, which I accidentally mentioned earlier. It's bbs.freetalklive.com. We've got over a quarter of a million posts, lots of stuff to talk about there. It's a lot of fun. Head over there, bbs.freetalklive.com. Now, Mark, you uh, said you were not done commenting on the whole right-to-travel conversation we had there with Wallbound, so I wanted to make sure you got a chance to uh, finish up your thoughts. Right. You know, um, the... As far as the driver's license goes, some of the arguments I feel for not having a driver's license are a little weak. First off, the the roads belong to the government. Like it or not, I I will totally agree with you that uh, the government didn't own every road everywhere uh, 200 years ago, Mm -hmm. that these were right-of-ways under common law, that they... Um, you know, but essentially at that point, even then, the government owned them. Um, you know, governments, uh, local governments set forth which uh, roads were theirs. And, you know, they've seceded the, the right to those roads in some cases over to the, the state, and the state has seceded them over to the uh, uh, federal government. And the fact is, the uh, piece of property that I am now buying, um, you know, at, at the one that I own in Florida and the one that I'm uh, now buying in uh, New Hampshire, were at one point owned by some Indians. We never bought it from them. We Mm -hmm. just took it. Okay? So possession, to some extent, is nine-tenths of the law. The government owns the roads. Like it or not, I don't like it. But um, at this point, they're the ones who operate it. It seems to me likely that a uh, private enterprise that were to, uh, you know, uh, own the roads, they would require at least some kind of certification to operate a motor vehicle. Maybe. Likely. some Something. Um, do I think that it makes perfectly good sense? No, I think that the IDs are, are a bit overblown. But I'm not, I, I just don't, you know, this doesn't make any sense to me. This is not the issue. You know, this is not the big one. Well, some this people's is, issues, some people uh, take it very seriously, the idea that they have to bow down to some people in uniforms, uh, some people calling themselves the government, and uh, and beg for their permission in order to be able are, to go from point A to point B. But th- now we're talking about the right to go to, from point A to point B. And as you guys stated, as you stated, essentially, Ian, is that um, as long as there isn't a point C in the middle where somebody owns it, that's fine and dandy. But the government owns the roads. So if you've 
quote unquote seceded from the government's purview. If you if you don't if you're not going to pay any of their taxes or but um, Mark, the government doesn't really exist. There are just people calling neither themselves do corporations, the Ian. But you right. go to Walmart all the time. Well, there are real businesses. There are real buildings of the government, um, and there's really a the road. buildings don't prove that government exists. Well, what it all comes down to is. Uh, the acceptable level of violence that can be applied to you for not conforming to what that majority gangster group called government likes, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know Mark has a, a valid point in, in this in this uh, up to a point I think, and one of the things that I mentioned off the air is this really makes you think about uh, those areas where you can skirt government laws and those areas where it's actually the most dangerous for you to skirt government laws, and in this case, not having a driver's license is one of those areas where uh, just statistically you will probably end up you. running into trouble. Right. Yeah. I, I, it, I'm a convicted felon. It's against the law for me in all 50 states to carry a firearm. Some states are different as far as vintage firearms and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but likely I'll never get a concealed carry permit. I could pack heat every single day and it wouldn't change anything i sure. I, I haven't been yeah. i haven't been shaken down by a police officer since 1998 right, right i haven't right. had one pat me down for anything so, so let's look at it but a driver's a, license i've gotten asked for that often look at, enough look at it as a, a great example uh, at one point the airports were not run by the federal government now they are run by the federal government, uh, similar to the way the roads used to be. At one point in the United States, there are great examples of, of this in Thomas DiLorenzo's book, How Capitalism Saved America. Mm-hmm. Thousands of miles of roadways in New Jersey and New York in the early 1800s, uh, Vermont, Connecticut, Massachusetts, all run by private toll road companies. They bought the land privately. They made their own deals. Similar to the airports today, if Mark were to try to walk into an airport with a gun, then he would run into this problem. Now, if he were to walk into an airport every day and try to travel every day in an airport, he's really putting himself at risk Absolutely. trying to get away with it. So, and that's essentially what they're doing. to the, to right. the driver's license situation where we're all out there and we are always, always susceptible to uh, to the uh, uh, vicissitudes of the particular uh, you know mental state of the police officers out there at any time. And to that end, uh, those who do have the courage to go uh, into the belly of the beast, so to speak, without the permits and without the papers that the beast is demanding from them, these government people are demanding from them, they really are taking quite a risk. In yeah. fact, we should go to the phones because Kurt is on the line in Michigan on the amplifier line. Hello, Kurt. Hello, gentlemen. How are you tonight? Good. Great. Sure. What's on your mind? Well, the only time it's more of a pleasure that, than to talk to the two of you is when it's the three of you. <laughs> um, so, Mark, the government owns the roads, eh? It, it, it's it, it, effectively. Okay. Well, effectively. Okay. Um, do you believe that taxation is them legitimately claiming that which that belongs to them? Well, every time I earn a new dollar... I create something brand new. So the fact that they've been stealing my dollars for years doesn't give them the same sort of authority okay. over land that they have had con- they have the- that they have controlled for a hundred or two hundred well, so, years. So you do believe it's theft? I do believe it's theft. Okay. When, when I also when believe it was theft somebody... when they that um you know essentially my the property that I currently own in Florida and the ones that I'm buying in New Hampshire that was stolen too. But when when can a when can an entity take stolen money? purchase something and then legitimately own that. 
I mean, if I steal $15,000 from you and go out and buy a car, does that car legitimately belong to me? Mm. I mean, now, we're talking about how long someone has possessed something. And, and, I, and I can keep you away from it for long enough? Can but, I then keep it? I, I think that that really is, an, is, a, is a big issue, is how long a, a entity has possessed something. I have um, Some white guy has uh, possessed my fr- property in Florida long enough that I consider myself to legitimately own it. But there is some Seminole Indian out there that may very well take umbrage with that. The only thing, the only thing I would add to that is it's slightly different. I mean, this could go back to uh, Lithuania or Bosnia or any of these places where there have been these long-standing 1,000-year disputes about what group, what clan had this or what had this. Mm-hmm. But there is a slight difference, Mark, and I would bring this up to both of you gentlemen, uh, which is that the government, while it is an artifice, the internal workings of it are run constantly by different people all the time. Every generation, every few years, there's somebody new getting into, slipping into this guise of what is supposedly legitimate. Mm-hmm. So it's it's slightly different. I don't know if it's really analogous to to discuss to discuss it in that way. Uh, to say that you know effective, there there is obviously a difference between effective ownership and legitimate ownership. And uh, the government has effective ownership. It will never be legitimate in any way. And uh, I don't even call it that. I don't even call it ownership. They I, have possession. I call it possession. Yeah. Perfectly said. But then at that point, they also have possession of my property and myself because now they're passing laws against what I can do, what I can't do with my own body and yeah. my own property. Yeah, right. So that makes them the effective owner of me. I'm glad you brought that point up because that's one of the really nastiest points about the driver's license system is that essentially it is something that people do have to consent to get into. They have to go and acquire this driver's license if they want to be able to make a living for themselves outside of the quarter-mile radius or half-mile radius. They might be able to easily walk every day uh, to work. So when they do that, who knows what sort of things they're agreeing to as far as the, the terms of the license and that sort of thing. And, and it opens the door for future abuses. Well, the government can say, well, since you're a licensed driver, then we can do this to you and this to you and this to you. You know, when, uh, when government has a little bit of power, they don't ever stop there. And now look what they're doing. Now they're stopping people randomly uh, at checkpoints on the southern and northern border or within 50 miles from the, the southern and northern border. And they're checking people's citizenship and that's sort of thing and it's all because well you have to have a license to get from point a to point b and it's 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 real it's really wrong in my opinion it's like it's like the consent that a victim must get from his thief in order to live the money that we give over is the consent Mm. so you know it is it's a massive protection racket and just imagine if it was just to get out on the sidewalk maybe people would feel differently if you had to right well a license to walk yeah there you go. Thank you guys. Kurt, thank you for the call. call we Kurt. appreciate it. Awesome, 800-259-9231. You know, uh, once again, I agree with you, Gardner. The government has possession of the roads in the, uh, by virtue of the fact that they have armed men patrolling them that are willing to put you in a jail cell at a moment's notice. For, I don't think it's much different from what, really what Mark is saying. I either. don't either. Yeah. Uh, you know, really, the possession versus ownership thing that you're talking about is is it's really about perception to some extent that's exactly like i it. said um there are people there, there's there out there somewhere is a mohawk indian that says they own this piece of property that you've got your damn house on how would you feel if they came and set it on fire ian it's theirs why shouldn't they be able to 
That's a great question, Mark. I don't have an answer for that. Uh, those things happened hundreds of years ago. <laughs> I'm not responsible for it. I purchased this property legitimately from right. its prior the owner. The government took this la- hey, the right. land that I the purchased road. this property. The government stole. In that's some cases, the they purchased roads. Well, if they purchased a road, then that's fine. But then again, you're presuming government exists as an entity, but which it doesn't. They're government's they a fantasy right of that only exists in people's heads. And uh, we can discuss that more in hour two. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch an hour number two of the program. My name's Ian. My name is Gard. And mine's Mark. And uh, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. So enjoy those on us. And I believe the features at Gardner's website are free. He's got his own site, which is libertyconspiracy.com. Yeah, thanks, Ian. So uh, Gardner has his own radio show he does five days a week. So uh, if you just can't get enough liberty-oriented talk... That would be an excellent selection for you. Yeah, I open up my window and yell at all my neighbors and record it, and we put it on the website. It's <laughs> no, rocking. You're on a, a great FM talk station yeah. in the uh, Concord, New Hampshire area, yeah. and uh, we need to be on more FM talk stations. Yeah, we got to get you fact. guys over there. They're good guys at this station, too. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. Let's get back to the concept of government existing in the first place, but let's do the phones first. Because that's riveting radio. Show about your calls here. <laughs> uh, you know what, Mark? People like ideas... That, uh, that people tune into Free Talk Live to hear ideas discussed that aren't discussed anywhere else. That's one of the the, the important draws to this show. And Not this ad is nauseum. Ad nauseum. We haven't talked about the existence of government for a long time. Normally, I think that this is the uh, this is the sort of radio that you know the, the talking about the existence of government is really the sort of radio that that interests uh, maybe a tenth of our uh, listenership. The uh, the anarcho capitalists out know, there. Mark. It shows you just go sell the radio show. Okay, you, uh-huh. I'll worry about the programming. Uh, <laughs> let's go to the phones. In the meantime, Paula's on the line in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Yeah. Hi, guys. You know you're right about your program. You have a wonderful program, yeah. and I tell you, more and more people need to hook up with y'all. Thank they you, really Paula. Do. What's on your mind tonight? Okay, I just saw I'll let you know something transpired in Washington a while ago. GW wanted to have a standoff with uh, Nancy about the spending bills for Iraq and all that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I called her office and told her, I said, stand your ground. And um, I said, "Don't." I, this guy doesn't know how to stop spending money. <laughs> well, the Democrats don't know either. It's just the see the Republicans like to spend the money on the military, while the Democrats yeah. like to spend the money on the welfare programs. And either way, they're not going to give it back to you. Well, the thing is, though, is that we need to get out of Iraq. And I mean, we found out, like from Alex, exactly what this thing was all about, just to get a hold of all the oil and stop it, you know, and then make assets. I mean, also since you can't afford it. Hey, Paula, you know what's really funny is I had a conversation with this pinhead guy who had me doing some replacement for him on a national show. I won't mention who he is, but uh, it was not either of these fine gentlemen here. And uh, I got to say, we got in a conversation on the phone. But the one word time. "fine" might come into play. Yeah, as far as the, <laughs> very true, very true, okay. absolutely right. I didn't think about that. Well done, Ian, you're quick. So anyway, uh, he's based out of Boston, and he's a jerk. So um, so uh, the deal is, Paula, that I'm doing filling for him, and I'm talking about Iraq, and I'm um, using the studio here, and Ian's let me use it to hook up to his producers and stuff. It's real nice, you know. And um, 
So uh, we get off, and he's, like, assessing me after the program. He's talking to me about my Iraq position. And uh, we get down to the finer point of, so let me ask you this. If it is about oil, do you think it's justified for the United States to attack a sovereign nation, whether it be Iraq or South Yemen for minerals or someplace else in Africa, uh, because it is essential for our economy, and it's so essential that it's strategically important. He goes, oh, absolutely. I was Dear like, God. man, you just walked off it. You know, no, What do you think about that, this, Paul? This is not right. And, I mean, we're all God's children. He gave us the oil. He gave us everything. And we're supposed to share it. I mean, we all live in this world, and we're all supposed to get along and care about each other and help each other, not trying to cut each other's throats. I agree with that, Paula. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. As always, 800-259-9231. Is it just about the oil? Because if it really was just about the oil, couldn't they have just gone over there and taken the hundreds of billions of dollars and purchased it? Well, you know, you look at you look at what Alan Greenspan said in his book, and uh, which was ghostwritten. He he revealed very quickly was ghostwritten, and he said, "Hey, you know, it was about the oil." He had a larger sort of geostrategic political um, uh, concern, which was that if Saddam Hussein got his hands, uh, uh, if Saddam Hussein wasn't dealt with, then he'd get his hands on weapons of mass destruction. If he got his hands on weapons of mass destruction, he could go after Saudi Arabia, and then he'd dominate the oil industry hmm. in the Middle East. And I said, well, look, you know, apart from the United States government standing in the way of oil companies, you know, drilling in Anwar, where they, the Alaskan people want us to be able to drill. I don't know why I have a say of what the heck happens in Alaska. I'm hmm. never going to be there. But they want, they want companies to be able to drill. Apart from the government stopping oil corporations from being able to drill off of the Gulf, and uh, apart from the federal government stopping companies from being able to refine oil in the United States, it's just totally absurd. Uh, you know, right, apart from all those things, they can't, they can't things, build new refineries. Yeah, they, they haven't been. There's been a moratorium on it that Bush only lifted just a little while ago. It's been. Did it's, he lift it? I don't know about that because I uh, read a, we read a story recently that uh, was talking about how there was a, a, a drop in production. Oh, I better because, check because these oil refineries they have to shut down the existing refineries and do repairs to this old old oh, equipment. Yeah, it's, it is antiquated, but I thought, well, I better check on that because I thought that he had he had issued an executive order, which, again, unconstitutional. <laughs> the whole thing, it's just it's such a miasma. It really but then is. on the other side, you've got subsidies that go to the oil companies for advertising overseas and research it's, grants. And yeah, it's just like, it's a oh, jeez, what a mess. Um, but you know, you know what's really interesting about that is – is uh, I got a great email from a guy who listens to my show because of your show, uh, Steve in Texas. Really good nice? dude. We just had this little incestuous oh, little Liberty yeah, family. I'm telling you, it's so wild. And and uh, boy, I, I posted it over at the Liberty Conspiracy site because it was so. I, yes. Oh no. Yes, I did. I believe. Uh, I know um, you posted something there. Yeah. For well, he sent recently. me a couple emails, and and this one, it was so good. He talked about look. If conservatives think that we are justified to go and and attack another country because uh, that other country has something that is strategically important to the United States and somehow that has a bearing on national security, he says, how does that how does that jibe with what conservatives always say that we don't have a right to somebody else's stuff as individuals? Mm. If we as a nation, a collective group, somehow say, oh well, we can just go and get that stuff because we need it. Rather than paying for it from the people right. who make We're it. We're nothing but a bunch of marauders at that point. Yeah, that really what's belies, the difference? I guess it really belies the fact that uh, conservatives, so-called, have really sold out their principles to collectivism. Uh, you're absolutely – and it really – it was a great, great 
bit of insight was awesome. Here's uh, just sort of as a related uh, story. I got an email from a guy that hosts a show here in Keene, New Hampshire. He's an older gentleman. I think he's probably in his 70s. Uh, His name's Al Coolis. He had me on his show, and there's an archive of that at freetalklive.com on the publicity page if you want to hear it. But uh, he just sent out an email, probably because he has an email list and he added me to it. I didn't ask him to. And he's a nice guy. Yeah. Anyway, his email was, uh, the subject line was, Yeehaw! Score four for the good guys. Mm-hmm. And then, caution, very graphic video, and it goes on to, uh, he goes on to describe and, and included a, a, an attached video of what was allegedly four insurgents walking in Iraq. They were being followed by some sort of gunship of some sort, and, uh, they, you know, there, there was a radio order that went into, take them out! And so you see the footage of this volley of ammunition coming in and just blowing up the surrounding area uh, where these guys were walking. And, uh, you know, the, the presumption is that, well, Americans are good guys. Like, whatever the American military does, it's good. And so if the American military is over there doing something, they're the mm-hmm. good guys. Yeah. The presumption is that these four guys that were walking somewhere are insurgents. And, uh, you know, there's no evidence to, that, that proves that besides the fact that someone gave the order to attack them. Uh, and so I, I wrote this guy back, and I said, Al, I imagine that you love America. I'll even go out on a limb and say I think you probably have a deep respect for the Constitution. With those thoughts in mind, consider these questions. And I don't know if he's going to get back to me, but this is what happens when you send me an email like this. Right. You know? yeah. I, ask I you waste some... my time during the day uh, watching it and reading it. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to ask my you some, slide. some questions. Uh, well, no, it might, it might turn into an appearance on his show. You, know? you never know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I said, do good guys follow unconstitutional orders? And I followed that one up with, should the government only follow the Constitution when it's convenient? See, what I'm getting at, of course, is that if it is wrong to follow unconstitutional orders, then this is an unconstitutional war, and so therefore, Excellent. how could these be good guys? Because you, at least as I understand it and the way Ron Paul understands it, you have to declare war to go to war. I wanna, before you go on with Al's stuff, I want to talk, um, and you know, uh, Gardner's uh, discussed this a couple of times, and, and because Gardner's here tonight. Now, there was a use of force uh, oh, thing resolution. passed. Yeah, resolution yeah. for use of force in Iraq. Yeah. Now, I realize that that wasn't necessarily a declaration of war, but it's, I mean, who's, oh. to, who's to say what a declaration of war looks like? You, you have hit on something that we had a huge explosion on my show, and I've actually isolated the sound. I don't want to plug the, the, the website too much, but later tonight I'll post the isolated debate about war powers. We can talk about it here because okay. it was fascinating. I'll tell you we more about it. We need the executive it. summary coming up, 800-259-9231. Your calls as well about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, the toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line for you, that's 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. Vanguard. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photos to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. I have to go there now. Sounds like you enjoy it a little too much. <laughs> Shrine.freetalklive.com. And are you prepared for the day the dollar drops to zero? D2Z.org proposes that day is near. Go to D2Z.org and learn how to survive and thrive during the U.S. dollar crisis. That's D2Z.org. Now, Gardner, uh, you yeah. were sort of, you and Mark, and uh, we were talking. You were talking oh, yeah. about something. If you could just recap quickly and yeah, then roll uh, ahead. Just, just quickly, we're, we're talking a little bit. Um, we were talking about Iraq, and then we went into the... Um, the uh, 
the allowance to use military force in 2002 that Congress gave, and, and there are a number of ramifications there. One of them that we're running into today is this FISA thing. And I won't go into, into that too far, but the whole argument about FISA uh, would essentially be moot on a constitutional level regarding the abstract. The wiretapping thing, right? Yeah, the wiretapping thing, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act of 1978, which stipulates very clearly, if you read it, that um, the United States government can surveil through wiretaps foreigners only. Okay, mm-hmm. so if there is an American on the other end of the phone, you got, you can't do it. You cannot surveil without a warrant. You've got to get a warrant. So okay. they have this whole FISA court thing, which just rubber stamp stuff. The Bush administration wasn't going to the FISA court, and the the reason I bring this up is because there's this whole debate going on right now in Congress whether or not they're going to reinstitute and and rejigger the FISA laws to allow for immediate wiretaps by CIA people. People are coming up with examples of, well, down in Iraq, there were some guys who wanted to uh, wanted to uh, listen in on some potential terrorists, and they had to get permission because the the phone calls are being rerouted to the United States, and therefore uh, under FISA they couldn't listen in. And I say to myself, you know, all of this stuff would be much easier on a constitutional level to consider because the threshold would be much lower for unwarranted searches and seizures if we were at war. And, the, you know, mm. we, we get into the whole thing of the detainees. They're not being prosecuted under American criminal code as terrorists. They're not being held as prisoners of war. They're because being interrogated war. because we haven't declared war. And, and specifically because Alberto Gonzalez lobbied Congress not to declare war now, at the time. Now, wouldn't they have to treat those prisoners better if indeed they the war had been would. declared? Damn right they would. Absolutely right. They wouldn't be able to water torture these guys. It's a complete breach of the Geneva Accords. 1947, they said water waterboarding was was a form of torture. So the whole point in not declaring war is that if it's not really a war, by definition and by law, and everything in law is all about definitions and all yeah. about redefining words, uh, so therefore, if it's not a war, then there are no prisoners of war, and we can do whatever it. we want That's with these exactly people, or it. you know, we don't have to follow the international rules of war uh, that have been set out over time, because it's not a war. You got it, Ian. So, That's exactly the problem. Now, to now get that into... doesn't mean it's any less the health of the state. In fact, it sounds to me like not having a war, but actually making it be like a war, but not calling it a war, like we've done with Iraq and Vietnam and mm-hmm. uh, Korea, mm-hmm. opens the door to all kinds of extra state abuses. You got it. That's exactly it. And and these guys that you hear claiming that, well, the enemy, they're not uh, uniform combatants, and therefore we can't declare war on them, that is totally bogus. It's completely fraudulent. They got They got a declaration. In fact, uh, they went after the uh, they went after the Barbary pirates because the pirates de- declared war on us, and they used the uh, provision to prevent piracy in that case. But they could declare war against Al Qaeda. They could hmm. declare war against Iraq, no problem. But to get to the point we were discussing just before the break, to bring it all home, right? Um, right. Why isn't this resolution to use force not a declaration of war? Right. Exactly. Uh, the reason is this, and we got into a fascinating and, and sometimes very uh, tumultuous conversation. Sounds dizzying, too. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Uh, Jed Babin is the editor of uh, Human Events, which is a paleo-conservative publication that started years and years ago, the very first conservative publication in the U.S. Jed was on my show on, like, Thursday, I think it was, and um, and Jed and I started talking about whether or not the president could use the military Without congressional approval. And I said, look, there's only one thing the president can do. It is when the Congress declares war, the president shall be the commander in chief of the army. 
That's what he. That's what it is. Until then, he's not. He's he is he, he is doesn't command the not, navy. Then yeah, well, the army and the navy. Yes, yeah, absolutely right. So he would be the commander of the military when Congress declares declares war. Right. Okay. No problem. So he says, "Oh no, no guard." Uh, as commander in chief, he can command them anytime, even if Congress doesn't declare war. I said, "No, no, no." So I picked up the Constitution. And and if you read the Constitution, in fact, that's I'll, what I'll I was taught it. in school. What what he said, I was taught in school that the right, yeah, the right, president and is that's the commander. Of that's bogus. In fact, you guys uh, just hold on a second. Let me grab my Constitution here. Pardon me. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't know, Mark. What? Well, I, I, th- this seems like a really relevant point to me is whether or not we are in fact at war. Because I have heard people, you know, Sean Hannity included, say things like, "We are right. essentially at war." All right. Now here it is. Now the way I the way I look at this is it's, it's sequential. Congress is granted the power to declare war. They also can call up the militia, right? That's what it says in Article 1. Congress shall have the power to call up the militia and to declare war. The president, in Section 2 of Article 2, it says, and this is all one sentence. This is extremely important because this shows you. The president shall be commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy of the United States and of the comma, and of the militia of the several states, comma, when called into the actual service of the United States. Hmm. So, right, only because at when, the time there wasn't even a standing army. Exactly. You hit it. And that's the first point I brought up. I said, look, how could the president be the commander-in-chief of the, of the military at any time and use them any time he wanted if we didn't have a standing army at that time? He goes, it doesn't matter. That's what they said. And I was like, no, that's not what they said. And then he tried to get into the legal precedent. I was like... Listen to me. Right. So because we we've been argument. breaking the Constitution, exactly. we can keep said, breaking it. I said, you're a paleoconservative. If you're going to be talking about legal precedent as law and we have to abide by it, then how do you feel about Roe versus Wade? How would you feel about the Dred Scott decision? How would you feel about all these other laws that were on the books that were bad jurisprudence, bad Supreme Court decisions? Mm-hmm. You need to tell me that you wouldn't, and, and we were specifically talking about candidates like Ron Paul, you mean to tell me that you wouldn't want to find out from these candidates whether they believe that those 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 rulings should be overturned. So when I so he was accusing I think you schooled him. Yeah, he was. It was amazing. He was accusing me of being anti, essentially anti-American and an anarchist. When all I said was I wouldn't support a candidate who believed in the War Powers Act and believed that George Bush was justified to go into Iraq. Great. Now, points, hold on Gardner. just a second. I want to go over it one more time because I'm looking at my, uh, you know, the online version of the Constitution here. Yeah. Now first, it it says that the Commander in Chief of the Army and Na- um, that he'll be the Commander in Chief of the Army and Navy um, militia when when called. Into um, into the actual service of the United States. Right. So it seems pretty clear there. But how come we, if we have a standing army, then they are in service of the United States? Well, this is illegally this is the thing. But they've been called into the service of the United States by the Congress. So one would assume that the onus is still on the Congress to decide under what service they're supposed to be called. So you can still have them a standing army, but not actually in any sort of military conflict. In order to go into the military conflict, it would be up to Congress to declare war. Well, Either, either way, way, the fallback is Congress. I think you've got great points, Gardner, and I think you're intellectually correct. Unfortunately, the reality is something completely different. The real- reality is they're doing whatever the hell they want to do, which is how they always operate. 800-259-9231. Can we get them back under control? I don't know if it's possible. Maybe Ron Paul can do it, but otherwise, secession is the answer. More on the way. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. 
If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where the features are for free. So enjoy those on us, including the archives, an entire year's worth of the show, front page of the website. For your downloading convenience, go grab them up freetalklive.com. And your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. We need to go to the phones and to the fun to talk to Indian, uh, not Indian, but Indy in Connecticut. <laughs> Indy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hi, guys. Good evening. Hey, what's uh, on your mind? Three quick things. Um, Gardner's uh, my favorite co-host, although I love all the co-hosts. Um, dur- during the commercial breaks, I totally hit the Internet, and I have some great online shopping with your sponsors. Those are great great awesome. sponsors you guys have. <laughs> okay. Cool. Thank you. Uh, great. Number two, um, Ron Paul. I donated to my first presidential campaign recently, and I'm going to have to give some more money because we have an October goal to meet, and I encourage all the other listeners to do the same. It's four mil for October, right? Yeah, I'm gonna have to step it up, man. I think other people need to as well. Well, it, it, it's um, coming along. I mean, it, it's they're behind schedule for it, but uh, you know, it, it's. I donated could late happen. in the game last time. I'll, I'm not gonna do it again. I'll step up early, and I encourage everybody else to do the same. Well, it's a and lofty goal, and you gotta set your high. You gotta set your goals high. I mean, what is it they say? Uh, one of the old axioms: shoot for the moon. Shoot for the moon if you want to make it over the fence, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, four million in a month is almost what they raised in the entire last quarter. So if they can make even close to four million, but they need be doing to step well. it up. This is this is the quarter that matters. This is it. You're right. The primaries are going to be starting soon. In fact, they're it's even saying fast. that New Hampshire is going to do it in J- December. Yeah, looks like it now. I mean, I'm going I for the moon, to. guys, and I'm doubling up my contribution. I'm ready for November, December as well. So, All right, Indy. I think it's it. a good idea. If you don't give it to Ron now, you're going to give it to the politicians later in taxes anyway. <laughs> so I figure... I, you know, and my real point, guys. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. Something called the WARN Act, the Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification Act. My cousin is being laid off at the uh, big Internet provider in uh, the D.C. area. Hmm. And he said, hey, they're giving us 60 days notice guaranteed by the government that we're going to be laid off. And he thought it was great. But as a small business owner, in my mind, if I had to give my employees 60 days notice, oh my gosh. what kind of of productivity do you think you're going to get out of those people? Now, I'm a good guy. I'm a good small businessman. I'll do my employees right every time that I can. But, guys... They're going to slack off. What, 60 days of notice. They are. What, what would you do? What would I do? I'd be on and the phone... It, I'd be on the phone... Con, uh, your uh, your phone during your time contacting potential new employers sending out my resume while you paid me. And that's exactly what they're doing. And it's not... It's it's so uniform. It's not fair. To the people who deserve it, great. But the uh, all the federal guidelines, if you have more than 99 employees, all the you know government gobbledygook... Um, you got to pay them, and they just sit on their butts for X number of days. And as a stockholder, or a former stockholder in this big company, when it was cool, you know, I just think it's ridiculous that uh, big companies are held to the standard to wow. put them on notice and mm. let them sit around and collect funds. <laughs> that is ridiculous. 
Thank you for the story. Wow, we man. appreciate hearing from you, Indy, and thanks for your patience. He's absolutely right. Right on. 800-259-9231. Let's uh, continue here. Talk to Jacob in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Jacob. Jacob? Hi. Hey. Excuse me. What's on your mind? Uh, well, actually, um, you, I jumped onto your program by accident. i first-time listener. I've enjoyed Excellent. it. Uh, and you were talking about driver's license and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and I would, did want to say something about that. However, on the subject of the war... Sure. Uh, today I read an article by a, a retired lieutenant colonel, which I think sums it up pretty good. Uh, Karen Kawatowski, I think Oh, yeah, the name she's is. great. If yeah. you Google that up and read that, uh, it pretty much says it all, that we're living in a fantastic nation. And uh, anybody that comes up with a good fantasy, you'll get the uh, multitude to follow after them. And that's certainly what George Bush did and, and his cronies. Um, but on the driver's license thing, uh, I would like to tell you that I've been doing this for some time, helping people and assisting them to get on the highways and they have no driver's license, and we've been successful from the East Coast to the West Coast, not only on the roads, along the highway with police officers, but also in the courts. We just recently won a case in New York, and we're on one right now in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. But what I do is I provide a document, which is called a right-to-travel document, which um, uh, is being successfully used along the highway when they're confronted by a police officer. Uh, and it's due to the fact of how this document is designed. I just wanted to, uh, uh, to say that and let the people out there who are having problems with uh, driving and not having a driver's license, we do have a cannon that has been firing successfully. All right, now hold on. Before you go on here, because I'm obviously curious, and I'm sure a number of our listeners mm-hmm. are curious. Uh, sure, Before sure. you go on here... There are all kinds of claims and uh, people saying they've got the magic bullet on the Internet. The they all want to charge a whole bunch of money for some yeah, you know, magic document. I understand where you're going, but let me tell you something that's a fact. I can give you names and phone numbers of people that are successfully winning in the courts and along the highways. I think that's evidence to prove that what we are doing is successful. Is the basic concept that uh, you know, the government is regulating the, uh, the, the term motor vehicle, not necessarily a car, not necessarily a truck, the idea that motor vehicles are used for business purposes or something like that? Am I, is we, don't, that... We, we don't even enter into that type of argument because it's a foolish argument to begin with. It's like arguing, that argument is like arguing whether uh, a war is not a war when millions of people are being killed. The fact okay. of the matter is people are dying. It's a war. And in fact, the matter is, we don't I, use I that because speak. that argument mm-hmm. is not valid. The, the argument, we deal with natural citizens. If you're a natural citizen, you have the right to be traveling on the highways without any documentation at all. The, the, the permits and licensings that was created during the World Powers Act, and that was created for aliens and foreigners living within our borders. And and they were able to move it on to the citizen, the sovereign citizen of the Constitutional Republic. Yeah, now, wait a minute. This is something I disagreed with a caller earlier. I don't necessarily agree that there is such a thing as a sovereign citizen, because as I understand the definition of citizen, citizen is a term that has to do with you owing a duty of allegiance in return for the government's protection. And we, we all know that the government doesn't have a duty to protect, so therefore there can't be a citizen. I, I like the I term should, sovereign. I should, define, I should define my terms before I use that word, because in your analogy... Using that word, you're totally correct, and I would be wrong using it under that analogy. That's not how we use it when we go in there and deal with these individuals. Uh, we, we are a representative of a nation, and we present ourselves that way. And as a sovereign individual, you, as a sovereign individual, have under Constitution law, but even regardless of that, the fact remains, is, as that article that I read today states, that you must learn to live 
free if you're going to be free. If you don't learn to be, if you don't learn to live free as a sovereign entity within this nation, you will never achieve that freedom that you desire. Mm-hmm. Because we live in an imperial world. You got to wake up to that reality. We live in an imperial world, and those who have the power rule. So you're telling me that you've got a piece of paper that a driver can whip out from their glove compartment and hand to a police uh, a uh, law enforcement officer, and that guy's just going to back down. I'll not only tell you that, I'll give you the name of a person in Virginia who is one of our members who have successfully used it along the highway with a state police officer. No. Not only did the police officer allow him to move on, he stood there outside the car and he read every bit of that, uh, which is a five-by-card, five-by-eight card. He read every bit of it and he turned over and said, well, I see you have this notarized, so everything's in order. I heard of these. Go ahead. Go on your way. Now, that hold on. Um, before you go any farther on this, I, I know a few police officers, and it seems to me that if they knew if they knew something about this, you know, a, a piece of paper that one could use to travel, um, that they would have, you know, leaked it out to the public. I don't think that police officers are privy to too much more information than, the, than your average citizen. Mm-hmm. So how is it that, um, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I don't believe that the courts might be privy to some information the average citizen isn't. They certainly are. Um, you know, the, the fewer people that you have in a situation, but there's lots of cops out there. Uh, how is it that this piece of paper gets you past a cop? I mean, what, what does it... It, it, it gets you past by we educating the individual how they are to handle themselves along the highway. It's, all, it's an educational process. It's not just a piece of paper that you're giving them. We provide that. However, we also educate you. Do you, do you have a website? I, I, I am building a website, I have an email, and I have a post office address. And when I you a get a website number. up, you call back, because everybody that has the magic bullet, they never have a website. So once you get a website up, I want to hear back from you, and we'll talk then. Thanks for the call, 800-259-9231, and please don't let it be 700 bucks. Word. Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll free at 800-259-9231 and that is the SACL CAI toll free line for you 1-800-259-9231 it's Ian here with you and guard and Mark, we're inviting you to our website, freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features there are for free, and if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, go shopping. Two places, amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. doesn't matter if you're an international listener listening in Germany, the United Kingdom, or Canada. You guys will be directed to your correct uh, Amazon sites, and the uh, United States listeners will also go to the correct Amazon site. Anyway, you go about it, uh, Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com is a great place to get your shopping done. Then, for Free Talk Live gear and uh, cool clothing and that sort of thing, head over to Store.FreeTalkLive.com. We've got Free Talk Live hats and hoodies and T-shirts, a variety of these in different colors even. Uh, so head over to Store.FreeTalkLive.com. You know, just, a, just a, another thought on the last caller we had. This guy, uh, Jakob, called in from Pennsylvania, and he claimed to have the magic bullet. Uh, for police officers, as far as uh, if you get pulled over and you don't have a driver's license, all you have to do is hand, on, hand them this 5 by 8 card. It's been notarized. It has something that it says on it that the police officer will read, and then he'll hand it back to you and let you go on your way. And it really sounds fantastic, doesn't it? It does. I mean, it, it, he says it works. He says he's got, uh, you know, documented He says he's got cases. people we can talk to, and, and I have... N- it's not that I doubt his claims necessarily. It's just the funniest thing about all this is there's there are so many people out there offering these cure-alls, if you will, uh, panaceas for government. Uh, 
there are so many people out there, and very few of them actually have an online presence. And some of it seems so simple. Like, oh, okay, it's a five by eight card. And he said, well, it is an educational process, and you need to, you, you know, you do need to learn these things, and blah blah blah. But some of it seems so easy. Why are why don't they have websites yet? Why are all of the keepers of the forbidden knowledge of how to defeat the government agents? Why is it that they are not tied into the internet? They're on shortwave. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. just—it's just this weird common thread. Now, to be fair, there are some of them that claim uh, that that do have websites, but they don't ever call the show. Uh, and these guys are charging six, seven hundred dollars, three thousand dollars. They have all kinds of absurd uh, charges that they're looking for in order to uh, portray this information to you. And it's—it just seems to me that that those are all scams. I mean, they're all of them. They're all scams. You're going to pay six hundred dollars. They're going to give you a folder full of information through the mail. You're going to look at it, and you're going to try it out, and you're going to lose. And then, you're, then you've lost to the government, and you've lost $600 to these scam artists. In fact, if you want to get conspiratorial, one might suggest that the, the, uh, there are actually government people that are behind the, uh, the conspiracies here, and mm. that they're out uh, raking in some extra yeah, cash, extra from, cash. The, from the patriot movement, if you will. Yeah, I tell you what, let's set up this front organization. Well, I know, you had, I know you had our friend Mark Stevens on your show recently, yeah, uh, yeah, Gardner. That's great. And uh, I love what Mark Stevens, I love how he calls them patriots, P-A-Y-T-R-I-O-T-S. <laughs> yeah. Well, he because, has sort of the same sort of thing, though. I mean, he's he sells a little system on how to get out of uh, traffic tickets. and. Mark's book is 20 bucks. His book, but not his uh, scripts for dealing with the... Uh, 50 bucks. Just letting you know. All I'm saying, uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying, Mark, but I'm talking about the ones that are charging hundreds of dollars. Mark Stevens has done a lot of research, and he has put a lot of effort into getting his word out. He you know, puts his own money into his radio show, and it, it costs money to do business, but it doesn't cost $700 for a CD-ROM. Do you see what I'm mm-hmm, saying? Yeah. There's, there's a certain point at which it becomes absurd, the amount of money that these people are looking for. So maybe, yeah, maybe Jacob is serious. Maybe he really is on to something. But until he's got a website, until he's offering something up to tantalize people, to give them give something for free, and that's what I like about Mark Stevens, is he'll give you stuff that's useful on his website for free. And if you like what he's doing, then buy his book. And if you like that, then buy the script. Yeah. But uh, and same, same thing with... Um, with, oh gosh, what's the gentleman's name? Menard, Robert Menard, up in Canada. Uh, he runs thinkfree.ca, another website that's loaded with free information. He has, three, uh, he has two-hour seminars that he does up in Canada talking about these legal terms like registration and application, these things that we take for granted that we see all the time on government paperwork. And he, he, he tells you about how, well, what this really means in legalese is different from what it actually means in real life in the dictionary. And he goes into some really interesting detail in his in his seminars which probably cost some money to get into in Canada but he puts them up on on uh, Google video for free and so when somebody's offering information that can help you uh, live more free and they're offering it for free I have a lot of respect for that because it seems to me that we want people to be free we don't want them to have to pay hundreds of dollars in order to learn the secret to being free yeah. those are the kinds of people I want to talk to those are the kinds of people I want to give uh, you know to promote on my radio show the people that are out there spreading information and then asking on the other side of it say hey you know I spent a lot of time and money gathering this information for you maybe you can send me a donation or maybe you can send me something that that I have a lot more respect for yeah. rather than 
saying, buy our secret CD-ROM. It's packed full of hundreds of pages of research documents and magical things you can print out, and it will save you from the state. You know, do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, I agree. All right, 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones. Talk to Matt in Arizona. You're on Free Talk Live. Matt. Hi, Mark. Hi, God. How's it going? All right, man. What's on your mind? I want to talk about anarchism tonight. Okay. First of all, let me get back to uh, what Mark said about half an hour ago, how like only one-tenth of the callers like uh, talk about philosophy and that kind of stuff. I, listeners. I, I like it much more than talking about the war. That just makes me sick to my stomach. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I, I, want I'm to with talk you, man. About, uh, I want to talk about how like you kind of consider yourself an anarchist. Nope, I don't. Uh, I don't like that term. I don't consider myself an anarchist. The the term anarchist it has different meanings to different people out there. But even if you actually look up the definition of anarchist, uh, the concept is really lack of rules. And um, you know, it certainly it can be defined as lack of government, but but also lack of rules. And I don't like that. Um, I like rules in my life. I like rules for my house. I like rules for my property. I'm not. Obje- I don't object to rules. What I object to is being coerced by a group of people that I've never agreed. To do business with into following their rules. That's what I object to, and that's why I'm a free marketeer, because I think that all the products and services that government is offering at the point of a weapon, um, it, like Mao Zedong said, I mean, all government power grows from the barrel of a gun. Uh, I, I fundamentally have a disagreement with that, and I think that all those products and services, if they are really truly valuable, should be offered in the marketplace on a voluntary basis. So so free marketeer or voluntarist would be far more of an accurate term for me. I The, the term anarchist, I don't agree with it at all. Well, exactly. That's kind of what I was going to call and say. The original way that anarchism was kind of formulated back in the 19th century was like without hierarchy, not just without government, with no like economic hierarchies. Well, as no you said, no order. Like yeah, no order. Right? Exactly. So yeah. I, I just wanted to, to call and say that in the original meaning, like, you guys have almost nothing to do with, with anarchism. Just the only similar thing is you don't believe in government in all cases. Right. Well, I believe in self-government. Again, I, th- I think that's an inaccurate statement. I believe in self-government. I don't. But what I don't believe in is uh, people running roughshod over the freedoms of others because they want to, which is essentially what government is. It doesn't have anything to do with the consent process. It doesn't have anything to do with agreement. And no, I didn't sign a social contract. Uh, so that's what we need to do is is help people understand that adults deal with each other on a voluntary basis. Children in a schoolyard, bullies, you know, those are the people that uh, use force over others. It's time for uh, for Americans and the rest of the world to grow up. Thanks for the call, Matt. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You know, Ian, uh, I think what you just articulated is a very important uh, sort of hook for anybody who is a free marketeer uh, onto which he or she can latch, uh, really hook onto this, because... Uh, the the term anarchy itself, uh, whether people even know the definition or the etymology of the word, uh, has these sort of chaotic connotations: chaos, uh, sure. craziness, bomb wackiness, no rules. Yeah, bomb throwing, violence, and and uh, eventual uh, elimination of all sorts of uh, things that we love in our in our lives. Anarchy is bad, and um, and so if you can come up with another way to describe it and distinguish it in that way, voluntarism free marketism, that sort of thing. That is a, a great way to do it. Um, and, you know, the secondary definition of anarchy perhaps applies very well. Uh, but uh, I think if you can come up with a way to do it that's, that is not uh, pejorative, 
to so many people, you've done a, a real service to the ideal. Not only does the term anarchy suggest no rules, again, uh, anarchy, lack of rule, basically, uh, and that's that I fundamentally disagree with. It also, the concept of not having rules or the concept of anarchy, not having government, sort of specifies that there must be, that you believe in this political system and that is an absence of a political system. Whereas under the free marketplace, if you want to go out and you know get yourself a piece of property and invite all your communi- communist friends to come live on it and start your own commune and organize things in a communal fashion, please, by all means... As soon as you take someone off the street and drag them into your commune and say, you need to start picking lettuce, or whatever the deal is, then you don't have uh, freedom anymore. You don't have liberty. If people want to organize themselves into voluntary social systems, if somebody wants to go and create a neighborhood where things are ruled democratically, I have no objection to any of that. I just want them to leave me alone. More on the way. Hour 3 is coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 800-259-9231 as we launch into hour number three of the program. Bring up anything and join us on our website at freetalklive.com where the features are completely free. That again, freetalklive.com. Going right into the phone calls, we start with Brad in New Hampshire on the amplifier line. Hey, Brad. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I have some good news. Okay. Um, the contest, uh, well, actually, uh, you know, to get uh, your co-host there to disrobe. Is, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Not entirely, just my shirt. <laughs> just his upper torso. We're up to $725 um, for nice. a free, free Talk Live uh, donation to the Ron Paul campaign. Wow. And um, anyone who is, uh, um, there was a gentleman who called uh, a little while ago who said that um, he was making a donation. Um, if, if anyone would like to help us get to $1,000, just they can either go on the BBS or call in and, and pledge their support, and I'll add them to the list. And um, we're, we're creeping right up on $1,000. Has it not been less than a week, or how long has it been since this idea was uh, proffered? I think it was a week ago, Ian, that uh, that we started this, or, or maybe a week and a half. That's pretty darn good. Now, is your thousand uh, dollar total? Is it tallying in the two hundred and fifty dollars that Kurt, I believe, it was Kurt in Michigan, offered up a few days ago? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, okay. it is in fact, and that's okay. a very very generous offer on uh, on Kurt's part. And uh, you know, there'll be a lot of people happy uh, with uh, the desired result. So basically, <laughs> oh, at this God. point, you say we only need about uh, two hundred fifty more bucks. So that's like twenty five people doing ten dollars a piece. That's doable. That's right. That's right. That's true. I mean, there's for all these people who call in and you know ask about Mark taking off his shirt, you would think that that would be an easy goal to reach. I think so. I think you can do it, Brad. <laughs> it was a fine idea, and it'll result in a thousand bucks going into the campaign coffers of Ron Paul. I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. It really is. Brilliant idea. What about me? It's not a win-win for me. You well, well you're a well, good sport. Uh, I'm like just to, willing uh, to do up, it for Ron Paul. I'd like to bring up another thing, if uh, that's okay. Certainly, Hillary Clinton. Yes. I was just listening to uh, a Cato Daily podcast, and they're talking about how she wants to match, uh, or she's concerned because not enough Americans are saving money. So now, in uh, guard, I'm sure you'll you'll love this if you haven't heard of it already. But yeah. she wants to 
she wants to match anyone's uh, savings uh, up to $1,000. This is a program that's going to cost, I think, $20 billion. That's what they said. So essentially, she's going to encourage people to save money by stealing our money and giving them up to (laughs) $1,000. What a bizarro world we live in. I mean, couldn't you just let us keep it in the first place? I'll be fine. Thanks very much. Yeah. This is in addition to the fact that she also wants to give people uh, or newborn babies $5,000 of our money um, in her baby bonds program. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that. Yes, Mark, you mentioned that a couple weeks ago. And and you know what, man? You know what's so funny about that one is if she would just reduce the size of the federal government, she could give everybody the equivalent of $5,000 back. Because yeah, but the she can, that way she can't buy votes with someone else's money. Yeah, right. it's just so bogus. And then we could invest it and actually do a good job with the investment. And we'd we would be, be relying on them. Right, we'd it's be far more wealthy than, than $5,000 $5, per person. Yeah. I mean, it would be far more. Do yeah. people not realize this woman is a communist? Oh, it's not, isn't it amazing, man? And you know what something is? I, I don't know if you've heard her. You probably have heard her uh, talking about how she hates the Federalist Society. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw her on with Charlie Rose one time because, you know, I was trying to find a way to fall asleep. But, um, <laughs> no, nah, Charlie's all right. But, um, and by the way, I don't know if you know this. He went on dates with Laura Ingram, of all things. There's an interesting couple. But, yeah, um, yeah it was fascinating because she says, oh, this Federalist Society, you know, they, they stand for things that are, are just completely alien to America. Like, what are you talking about? The Federalist Society is for strict constructionism on the Constitution. Every possible thing you come up with, of course they're going to oppose it. That's why you hate them, because it does not conform to the U.S. Constitution. Jeez. This this woman is such bad news, and uh, if anyone in New Hampshire is listening and they have a red flag with a sickle and a hammer, if I could borrow it, (laughs) um, I'd like to go to her next campaign rally and wave it proudly for her. Creative, Um, man. Awesome. this is it's just disgusting i can't believe you know there's a, there's a lot of people who probably uh endorse the idea of having a woman for president and certainly you know i think it's about time that our country uh diversify but yeah, a, lot fine. Of, a lot of people are probably supporting her having no idea the trouble but not she's going to this cause. woman yeah oh yeah oh. yeah yeah so, I just wanted to vent on that, and Guard, I, I love your show. Definitely hey. uh, a hat tip to you, and I, I, I love your segments on Hillary Clinton. So oh, it's, it's cer- certainly informed me a lot about what she's doing. But it's just ridiculous, and I, you know, I can't believe people don't realize this. Well, you know, I got to tell you, it's interesting over on my show that the the feeling that I get on doing my show versus doing the show with Ian and Mark with these guys, you know, my good friends now, um, mm-hmm. is is quite different because. Over there, you know, I have to answer to the the management uh, to a certain extent, even though they're really good guys and they they have a real hands off attitude. I constrain myself in some ways when I'm talking to certain people, or I might be bringing something up. For example, I'll give you an example. Uh, Newt Gingrich uh, was advertising on our show. I got the email about the Newt people who wanted to advertise there, so I had to make a decision. In this case, I made the decision that if I did not hit Newt Gingrich appropriately, as he should be hit on a number of issues, I would not be doing my audience a service. So I had to, you know, be straight up with these guys and say, "Look, guys." You know, uh, I've got to talk about Newt, and I've got to, I've got to, you know, bring this guy down to size. I'm going mm-hmm. to really make him look bad because it's very clear this has to be done. In some cases, when I'm talking to maybe a local politician or somebody who's just coming in, 
um, uh, you know, I might just sort of wait a little bit before I get combative with them until I get to the end. That's a so, good idea in any case. Yeah. We do that on this show. Yeah, you wanna, okay. All you right. want to basically uh, smooth the way for them. You want to sort of make it seem like it's going to be a, a softball interview yeah. Yeah. and then transition into the more hardball and serious them, questions. you make them stumble, absolutely. Let so, them dig their own grave. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right. And, <laughs> and another example, like, for example, I'll play the Sonic song, The Witch, uh, when I when I go to play Hillary Clinton stuff, which is a bit of an ad hominem attack, but it really has to do with the content of her character. It really drives me crazy. And I don't do it that often because I don't want the management to think I'm constantly negative. But when you are in a position where politicians and those uh, who are, are aggrandized because of their decisions are constantly trying to find ways to attenuate my neighbor's liberty, I have to go out there and defend. And it's going to be negative. It's got to be negative. That's the way it is. And uh, I try to come up with positive it stuff. Sounds so it's, negative, but it's positive. The positive it message should be. overall. It should be the positive message of freedom, and it's 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 real tricky. So I appreciate you. Uh, is that breaking you like down it. the government and their lies a negative thing necessarily? Right. No, Were the abolitionists? Did the abolitionists have a uh, negative uh, message? Well, that's why coming out here talking to you guys is so great because you know I'll be on my own, but when I hear you guys, you're always able to turn around and make it positive. So I'm glad you like the show, man. I, I appreciate it very much. Oh, thanks, God. So yeah. I just wanted to call up and say that Hillary Clinton makes me ill, and um, if uh, a few more people could throw some money uh, towards uh, Mark disrobing, that'd be super. That would, and where can they find that? It's on the BBS. There's a thread. Uh, what form is it under? Is it general? Um, I show? think it's under general. There's, there's okay. two threads. Someone started another one, but if you just search for uh, Mark and uh, Torso, you'll find it. <laughs> Thanks, dude. We appreciate it, <laughs> as care, always. 800-259-9231. says good things about my torso that they don't want to see you without your shirt on. Yeah, yeah. But i got to tell you, the longer this goes on, the more He's going to be able to work out even more to get even more buff, and you know it's just going to. The, oh yeah, because you know, I've been going to the gym going, every yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been going like once every other I week or something? I haven't been to the gym in a long time. Yeah, you go to the sauna from now from time to time, don't yeah, you? Yeah, well, you know, there's there's a lot of action in the sauna. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Richard in California. Richard, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Thanks for being here. What's on your mind? I uh, I like the idea of the Free State Project, and I've been Me looking too. for land on the internet. Okay. Uh, and uh. I can't seem to find a banana belt in New Hampshire. What the hell is a banana belt? Uh, we're in an area where it has, like, mild winters. Oh, I see. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to find that in New Hampshire. No, no, we no. are pulling for global warming to turn this into the new French Riviera, though. Hey, it's, it could be a long-term outlook. So what areas do you think would um, uh, give somebody uh, a large degree of privacy? Well, certainly uh, up in Coes uh, County, uh, near the top of the state. The farther you but go, then up, it's cold. The, the, it's really cold. Well, but d- yeah. come on, in, by New Hampshire standards, who cares? It's five, six, seven, eight degrees wow. colder. You no, know, I think it gets much colder than that. I, I'm not positive on that. But I think it gets significantly colder than that up there. Um, you, you'll need wood. You don't really need to go up north <laughs> to get. You don't really need to go up north to get privacy. I mean, we live in Keene, New Hampshire, which is a, a wonderful little city of uh, 25,000 in the southwest corner of the state. But all you have to do is drive two minutes, and you're in the woods. So, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of woods in New Hampshire. Take a tour around. Stop by, look around a little bit. In fact, you know, you might want to stop by for the for the Liberty, Liberty Forum. Forum coming um, up in. When does uh, medical January. marijuana come to New Hampshire? Well, that's why we need you here to help it happen sooner, my man. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. And, yes, people are working on it, but the more activists we have, the sooner it'll be. Sure. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. 
bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. Vanguard and Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, By the way, those features include the wiki, over 1,400 pages created by listeners just like you. Get on there and get interactive at wiki.freetalklive.com, W-I-K-I.freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters created by top attorneys. LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. Now, uh... Last, it's been a little while since we've talked about this, but earlier in the show, uh, we were talking about the existence of government. I want to get back into that, but first I want to finish this email that I was uh, was reading earlier. I had written an email to a local talk show host here in Keene, New Hampshire. He's an older gentleman, probably in his 70s. Nice enough guy. I've met him in person. He's had me on his show. You can download the archive at uh, the publicity page at freetalklive.com. Um, but, you know, I, I like him personally, and he is somebody who believes in less government, at least he purports to believe in less yeah, government. Yeah. And so somebody that likes to claim to believe in less government, you can make the presumption that they they have a reverence to some extent for the U.S. Constitution. Right. That's a fair that's a fair jump to make. I think yeah. so. Yeah. And so that's what I said to him in this email, because he'd emailed me this, uh, you know, video uh, where in the subject line he said, Yeehaw! Score four for the good guys! And it was a video of uh, some troops killing some anonymous people on the battlefield in Iraq. There was no way to, of course, tell... <laughs> of course, they were Middle Easterners, so they must have been guilty. Right, and uh, and they're American troops, so they must be good guys. And so these are the things I was questioning in my email back to him, and I said, you know, do good guys follow unconstitutional orders? I mean, theoretically... Someone who believes in the Constitution would have to say no to that, in which case, should the government only follow the Constitution when it's convenient? How anybody who purports to believe in the Constitution could agree with that statement is uh, absurd. And then I said, well, if a soldier is given an unconstitutional order, is he obligated to follow it? Now, I don't know what the answer to that is. I would think that by the the thing that they say, the oath that they swear when they become a member of the military, that they will defend the Constitution from threats foreign and domestic, I would think the answer to that would be no, he's not obligated. If he's given an unconstitutional order, it should be his duty or obligation to refuse to follow that order. But that's not really the the attitude in the the military or or the military supporters. The the, the attitude sort of is... um, you Anything know, goes right. Well, you know that that a good soldier, a good soldier is, follows orders, whether right. it kills him or whether it violates the Constitution, whatever. You know, they they follow those orders. And that's what I want him to. You know, if he writes me back, I'm hoping he will explain his viewpoint on this. And if he does, I'll share it with you. But I said, then I followed up with this one. I said, well, I also imagine that you, as I do, have a healthy appreciation for the right to bear arms. Considering that, who are the good guys in the following scenario? It is the aftermath of a natural disaster. Police and national, uh, national guardsmen have been given orders to go house to house confiscating firearms to ensure safety. After successfully confiscating several guns, they arrive at the house of a family who refuses to submit to their demands. The family threatens to use force to defend their right to bear arms. Who are the good guys in that situation? Hmm. Now, to somebody who, like this gentleman, has a a serious respect for the military, someone who believes the military, it's America's military, so it can do no wrong, the military right is always right, and America's wonderful, well, what happens when those same military members are given orders to go confiscate firearms? 
I want, I'm curious as to what he's going to say to that question. Because if he doesn't believe that that could happen in America, he's wrong. It did happen after Hurricane Katrina. That's right. So who's the, who are the good guys in that situation? To me, it seems like the family's the good guys. They're yeah. the ones that are protecting their freedoms. Seems to me so, they're within their rights. So uh, we'll see what he says to that. Anyway, we were talking earlier uh, about government. And does government really exist? Oh, right, right. Do, yeah, do we were... government buildings and government police cars and uh, government you know, textbooks and laws, do, do, do all the existence of these physical objects, does that actually mean that government itself exists? Right. We got into the subject through the driver's license uh, question and, and um, whether or not uh, that's, that seems to be one of the most problematic areas, whether or not the government owns the roads. And, and uh, we also talked a little bit about how it is sort of analogous to um, the the idea of practically speaking, um, the government being similar to the person who owns the land at the particular time, even if it was ill-gotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that that's exactly analogous because that that brings in ideas of common law and inheritance and the natural right of the person who uh, got the land to be able to pass it on to his offspring. So you're going all the way back, and I, you look at a government entity that is. In an, you know, a, a facade. It's it's just a name that we apply to a, a legal legalized coercion force. Right. I mean, At, gangs exist. Yeah. The, the the mafia exists. Okay. And people calling themselves government exists. So the people that are you know that believe they are government agents, those people <laughs> exist too. And their guns are real. So it's not like I'm living in some fantasy land where I don't believe that these people really are out there. They are. Um, the thing is. Is there really government, or is there just a concept that exists in all of our minds that there is government? Because it seems to me when you strip away the flags and you strip away uh, the uh, the pomp and the circumstance, all you really have are a group of men and women doing business at the point of a gun. That seems to me the reality of the situation. Am yeah. I wrong about that? I don't think so. Practically speaking, that's, that's precisely what government is. And um, people enter and leave those offices all the time so they we apply the name to govern of government to these new people who come in the other ones who leave the people who get all the benefits from them in a way uh, you know you can think about it and and you know we're almost fooled because we have a supposed document that is supposed to be the rule book for the operation of mm-hmm. that government which they don't adhere they to. don't adhere to it they don't pay any attention to it and, and, and they pay totally, lip service to it but that's about well, it exactly it's an empty totem uh and uh it's like a pinata you know um, when they can hit it and get something out of it they'll hit it and if it you know if it's for their benefit they'll use the term and uh, you think about over in England where they don't they don't have a written constitution and you say to yourself well shoot you know uh, maybe it's not that much worse over there yeah maybe maybe uh, at least they're dealing honestly there and saying well look you know we're just sort of operating uh, according to tradition here and we're just going right. to keep going this way and and we don't really care about what's written down and largely we are operating um, you know from tradition they, oh, the yeah. Supreme Court says something is constitutional or unconstitutional whether a uh, you know a, the average person the average reasonable person reading the Constitution would see that or not these are the experts and and they just decide how the government's going to look, and it, it largely doesn't look like it should, yeah. from what I can see. It doesn't look the way the founders, uh, the founding fathers had intended it to look. No, no. Uh, certainly not. You know, I was going to mention, uh, Ian, earlier in the, in the first hour when we were sort of talking about this issue, and it's, it's a sort of abstract concept, conceptual thing, but um, I, I mentioned off the air about this Australian thing where um, 
there was a, a document that they found that the aboriginals had owned a lot of property uh they you know they thought these nomadic guys who just went wandering around all over the place they didn't have any property the, mm-hmm. the white guys came in when they were settled there over in england they formed their country in 1880 or something like that and uh and a lot of the aboriginals they just you know the, the white guys moved out there the anglo-saxons moved moved out there and took the land it's theirs yeah so they ended up taking because you know uh, mark was talking about the indians here they ended up taking stock in this they went to court the aboriginals had this ancient document and they were able to get their familial grounds back up wow. to like i think it was 65 or 70 percent that they got back from the australian government out in the outback it's quite interesting and it, and it goes to the idea of of property rights common law versus statutory law, written law, and government. Uh, It's interesting. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Does the government exist? One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com, including the uh, updates. Get signed up. We'll get you uh, on the list. Whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, you'll know first. Get on the list at updates.freetalklive.com for free, of course. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And today, businesses, banks, healthcare providers, landlords, utilities, and educational institutions are all plagued by a burgeoning rate of consumers who fail to pay their bills. You might believe this debt only affects those industries and businesses. However, when people don't pay their bills, all customers pay their uh, the penalties, which are manifest through increased prices everywhere. So, if you have or know of any businesses that require assistance with collections, tell them to call SACL CAI for a no-obligation, no-cost proposal. SACL CAI repositions companies to zero in on principal operations and regain their financial foundation. See their banner at freetalklive.com. It's easy to find. It's the one on the top. That's freetalklive.com for SACL CAI. Uh, So we're talking about the concept of uh, government and uh, what it really is. Uh, To me, it doesn't differ very much from the mafia. Essentially, government is the mafia, but they've done a magnificent (laughs) job of covering up their nasty little activities they've put these uh, this cloak of legitimacy on the the violent way they do business all the rest of us are doing business on a voluntary basis yeah i don't go into radio stations uh, and point machine guns at the, the you know the station owner and demand that he put free talk live on the air right. well the government doesn't point machine guns at anyone it just threatens to point machine guns Try at you. Try putting a radio mm-hmm. station on the air and uh, without their permission and see what happens. I mean, they will come out with the machine guns. Well, and, they'll and they'll it, at least have automatic weapons on right, their hips yeah. when they come into a And uh, occasionally it'll make an example of someone like, say, oh, I don't know, Ed and Elaine Brown. Right. And, uh, yeah. So, so they're basically a violent group of people that is doing business at the point of a gun. And that's what we really need to put a stop to. What, what's important about, and I understand, Mark, that you disagree with their, with their tactics, uh, but what's important about people like Lauren Canario, people who are getting arrested for n- driving without a, a permit, driving without their government papers, that sort of thing. What's important is that if there's more of that that is done, if if there comes to a point of critical mass, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but theoretically at least, follow me on the theory here. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, if enough people 
come to the understanding that what we are dealing with is a violent gang and that they don't deserve respect and that they don't deserve uh, you know, to have their orders followed, if more people start to refuse to participate in their mandatory little systems, then it starts to break down. Because there's a certain point at which you can only throw so many people in jail. You, you can only put so many refuseniks into a jail cell before the economy starts to suffer, before people start to be outraged about their nonviolent friends or family members who've well, never We harmed. already have more people in jail than any other country on the planet. Exactly, and it's a, it's it's already a big problem. But uh, but the the people that are in jail didn't go to jail because they were because they wanted to refuse the state. They went to jail because they had a joint in their ashtray. They were living free. That much is true. But they weren't doing it purposefully in opposition to the state's rules. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. There's a difference between what a Lauren Canario does by not carrying a license on purpose because she wants to live free and somebody who just wants to to get high. Right. So the more people that do what Lauren is doing or what uh, any of the other civil disobedience activists out there are doing, the more people that start getting arrested for this, the more of an issue it will become. And the more absurd it will become that these are our friends and our coworkers and family members that are being plucked from their productive lives, operating in the, the private world in an economy that's done on a voluntary basis, turning them into a jailed, uh, jailed people, people sitting, occupying cells somewhere that are all going to be a burden on the taxpayer. Like, you know, how many people are you as a taxpayer willing to pay to foot the bill to hold in a jail cell because they just wanted to drive somewhere. And I, mean, I think, so, you know, Ian, question uh, to ask you guys in the audience as well. Um, uh, looking at this, assessing this, in what areas is it most efficient to apply that standard to start trying to gather that critical mass in a small area of control like a, a city or a town in a state? The way the media is oriented right now, a person who resists can get a lot of national coverage, can get a lot of state coverage, mm -hmm. can get a lot of local coverage. Uh, how long does that coverage last? Uh, how long will people talk about it? Can you get people to congregate and support that individual on a local level? Maybe. Can you get something changed more quickly in a small area of control rather than under a large area of control? These are all considerations it's an excellent when question. you move out there. Yeah, and you've got all these different things. Like with the Free State Project we mentioned before, we have people who are the protesters and never get involved with government. We have the people who will get involved with government to try to pare it down to right. talk to these politicians. The inside system people. Yes, yes, and I think we need them both, and we need those people to get out there and get their faces seen. So stunts, uh, tricks, ploys, editorials, video, all these different things, they all have their place. Absolutely. And choosing where to do these things, choosing where to resist to get the biggest bang for your effort, tricky. I, I haven't figured that all out yet. Well, the activists have been arguing I about I say this, we right? buy an island in the Caribbean, <laughs> nice and warm, and uh, just set up. It's been tried, and uh, what, what happens is uh, people will come in and try to take you over. Mm. Not if you buy it properly. The government people don't care if you bought the island properly. Well, They'll you, come you buy it properly you and um, you know, it make as the specification that it will be seceded from whatever government you buy well, it from. Well, you'd have to have people with gunboats to defend yourself in that case. It's mm. been tried, Mark, and mm. they failed. What, what, what are you talking about? I don't know anything there about There have this. been people that, uh, that did that. They went to an island and with the purposes of living free, and like the king of Tonga came in with uh, you know gunships and... I don't, I don't know which island it was, and I don't know if it was the King of Tonga, but I, I, I swear to you, people have tried this. Really wish they, that you had more information on and that. They, and they failed. 
Um, I'm sure one of our listeners will uh, let me know by the time. Uh, which is why the, the Free State Project came, you know, came up as, as an idea. Anyway, to get back to your question, Gardner, people have been arguing about this, uh, debating, friendly debate, yeah. uh, in the in the freedom movement here in New Hampshire and I'm sure elsewhere. You know, well, what is more effective? What's the most effective way to to affect change? You know, should we be focusing more on civil disobedience? Should uh, is the political process a waste of time? I don't know what the answers are, and that's why I think what you say is so so important that it all needs to be. Uh, it all needs to be done. There have to be people on all the sides. There have to be people doing civil disobedience. There have to be people doing politics. There have to be people doing the media to cover everything. And so we need to have this multi-pronged approach to liberty. Eventually, we might figure out, you know, over time, well, well, it looks like when we do civil disobedience, it draws more attention faster, and therefore those laws are repealed quicker. You know, so we might, we might end up determining that, but the only way to know for sure is to give it all a try and see what happens. Specifically, though, to get all, everybody in the same place to do it together is really what's the most important factor. Yeah, and and that's know, why the Free State Project is going to work and, and is working. And, Ian, it's uh, on a personal sentimental level, um, it's just so amazing to think that you're working in the same direction as people like F.A. Harper and and people like uh, like Richard Ebeling over at Foundation for Economic Education, like Von Mises or Ayn Rand or, or Bastiat or, or any of these people who were out there and, and stood so alone. I mean, you look at Frederick Bastier over in France. Mm-hmm. Like 1800s. Only, yeah, yeah. He's, he's dying of tuberculosis, and he's writing the law, which turns out to be one of the greatest, most perennially read documents of freedom. You look at some of these other folks, and, and, and to think that you know, people are actively, actively acting out those principles and right. trying to expand it. It's its really great. So that's, there are a lot of heroes who are coming out now. That's why I say now is the time for liberty, because the the people you're talking about, Bastiat and the other scholars, the, the writers, those were the idea men. Those were the guys that came up with the concepts, and they wrote them down, and they made some of them easier to digest than others, but they, they made it so people could digest them and, and, and come to understand them better, and that way, you know, other writers like Harry Brown of more recent times mm-hmm. were able to really put it into it, because it's easier to read a Harry Brown book than it is uh, some Frenchman from the 1800s. Yeah, yeah. It's just a fact. Um, so it's easier to di- just to digest it down even further and get it understandable and mass market it. And the, you know, the Libertarian Party, as much as they've failed over the last 30 years, they they did succeed in in uncovering people who believe in freedom and activating them. And now we have the Free State Project, and now we have the internet, where the people who have this information are much much more effectively sharing that information. You've got the Ron Paul phenomenon that only exists because of the Internet. Ron Paul is only something because the Internet is there, and liberty lovers are populating the Internet, and they're learning at a clip that is unheard of before you, before you had to hunt around, and you had to know the authors, and you had to know where to get the books. Now it's just a few keystrokes away. The... the, uh, the the increase in liberty that we can see as a result of all this is tremendous. We can come back with more. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it now. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. You like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then amp up. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Amp stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is that uh, we give you everything on our website for free, and then we ask you on a voluntary basis to pony up a few bucks a month, three bucks. That's all we're asking for. That's a fraction of the price of some of these other radio websites that charge you in advance for everything. We just give everything away and say, hey, you like it? 
Yeah, send us a few bucks. And then you get some perks, too. You get access to the Amp Only call-in line chat room and forum and a few other things. Amp.freetalklive.com. But the basic concept is that that money is not going to pay checks. What that money's doing is it's going to get Free Talk Live on more radio stations. So we can get more stations talking about liberty and freedom and thereby more new people in America hearing the message of liberty again. Because as we were talking about a few moments ago, the Internet has become a critical, critical aspect to spreading the message of freedom and liberty. Mm -hmm. It really, you know, they talk a lot about the Berlin Wall coming down and that sort of thing, and that being a a turning point, of course, uh, the fall of communism in uh, in the uh, USSR, all of those being really important turning points. And they were. Um, And they're very easy to identify. You know, you can look back in history and you can say, oh, yeah, yeah, Berlin Wall, come down. That's great. Uh, But it's a relatively short-lived event. The Internet isn't an event, so to speak. But I would have to say that the existence of and and popularity of the Internet, how popular it has become and how easy it has become to use over the last 10 years, that has to be what is – I mean, it really is like a wall coming down. It's like a wall uh, coming down that is allowing people to access information yeah. unlike anything they've ever been able to access in the past hundred years. I mean, the, the, the access that the average person now has is unparalleled in human history. Uh, the, the people in, in power would never have wanted something like this to happen. But luckily for us, the people in power are government people, and government operates very slowly. If they'd seen what was coming, if they knew what this Internet would be, they would have put a stop to it as soon as they possibly could. Yeah. But luckily, it was too little too late. They they weren't able to do that, and the Internet has broken out in an amazing way that not only is the Internet itself sort of a wall coming down, but the Internet has led to other walls coming down. Not only is the, in, the wall of information down, and everyone now has access to it, but also... The uh, the power of the internet, the 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 way that they can trans you can transfer massive amounts of information in short amount of time has also brought down the wall of old media. You oh, can yeah. see that falling too. I oh, mean, so yeah. all of these old institutions of power, the institutions of knowledge, you don't have to go to college to learn nowadays. In fact. It's probably smarter to not go to college if you actually want to learn something right. Uh, You know, you can learn on your own online, and you can make your own media. Free Talk Live is here today because of the Internet. That's absolutely true. It's not because of some, you know, visionary program directors, although there are some that have added our show, but that was after the fact. You know, we we got to the point of being on radios, more radio stations because we can leverage the Internet, because we're leveraging the ability to reach out to people and create our own media in our own way without necessarily having to go through the gatekeepers of the old media. And so there's this interesting thing that's happening, and we're just inside it right now. We're on the cusp. But look at YouTube. I mean, Google paid billions of dollars for YouTube. It's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, the, and the, the, no one has ever sold a TV station for billions of dollars. Yeah. Ever. And uh, YouTube doesn't have near the the uh, billing that uh, a TV station has behind it either. And, yeah, and you know, you know, just on a personal level, again, going back all over to the sentimental side of things, I'll, I sit there in front of YouTube with my niece, and she'll put in something to watch uh, a Naruto homemade video by some kid who's thirteen, mm-hmm. who's taken some music and taken clips from Naruto the anime and put them all together and edited them so that the copyright lips violation match. put that young man in jail and and she is just and you look on it it's got half a million hits wow and it's you say to yourself yeah if if you had done something where half a million people had seen it within a week 
you know, when I was 10 years old, I would have been sitting there going, what? I, it's not even possible. But now right. we don't even think about it. You're just doing it. You're doing it for your own entertainment purposes. You see it out there. It Maybe it'll have an effect on your life down the line, but it sure has had a lot an effect on your, your ability to enjoy yourself and for other people to enjoy themselves. You know, and, that's a great point. You yeah. know, the fact that now today with YouTube and these other things, because it's not just YouTube, there are other com- competition, um, different things out there that allow you to leverage sure. uh, this, this Internet to create media that can compete with, uh, with the old media. The, uh, the, I found that was a great point that, you know, in the 80s, this would have been unheard of. Oh, man. You would have never oh, conceptualized this. But now we take it for granted. I oh, mean, yeah. we don't expect it. You can't put a video up on YouTube and expect it to go viral and have 500,000 views. But it's totally possible, and it happens more often than you think. Hey, man, you know, I, you know, I'm doing skits on my show. When I did skits when I was a teenager, you know, fake whatever it was, maybe 10 people would hear it. To mm-hmm. think that, you know, wow, cool, I'm doing this impression of Bill Cosby, and I can put video behind it, and, like, uh, you know, a bunch of people watch it. It's just really neat. But, you know, to go back to an earlier point you were making... Uh, Newt Gingrich is back in the news, and he is not uh, ruling out a potential run when it comes up in 2012. He'll be, I don't know, 8,000 years old or something like that. And uh, so he says he still has time because he'll be, he was, he'll be Ronald Reagan's age when Reagan ran. Uh, so I'm thinking to myself, that's great. But in addition to it, he is, of course, saying, you know, before we lose all our liberties, we, again, should take a real close look at this Internet thing. Because this internet thing could, uh, you know, be very dangerous. So again, he's talking <laughs> about free speech before we lose all our liberties. What? Because of some terrible, terrible attack that we encounter, we really should get a handle of this this viral medium of the internet. Right. He's he's desperately worried about the internet. Yeah. Well, and he I should think be. Part of it is that he doesn't like. You know, he's he's obviously worried about terrorism. I, you know, I'll grant him that. But. He is worried about people like you guys and right. people like the audience. He's worried about his power and his yeah. government's legitimacy being threatened because it is currently being threatened in a way that it has never been before. Before, if there were some you know, upstarts making a lot of noise, they could easily crack down and shut them out and shut them down without very many people hearing anything about it or without it spreading beyond you know, the immediate radius of the vicinity where those people happen to be located. Now the dissenters are everywhere. They're diffuse. They're decentralized. The Internet makes it so they can be anonymous, and it also makes it so they can, be, you know, they can have influence and, and be powerful. And this has to be a scary situation for government because also government doesn't know what to do. You have to remember this is the organization where the FBI, a fraction, a good significant percentage of the FBI agents don't even have email addresses. Right. They tried to put together an email uh, system for the FBI and they just, uh, sorry, we we can't do it. So I think we're we're really in the middle of some really important changes that we've yet to really see how it's all going to end up manifesting. But if we keep focusing on what we want, and what we want is more liberty, we're moving in that direction, and there's nothing they can do to stop us. Great, great example. I'll bring this up. I know you guys, you know, we we spoke now about this before, but I went up at the uh, at Porkfest. I went up to speak at Gunstock Mountain. Uh, when was that? June, June uh, last week of June or yeah. so, or first week of July. Uh, yeah, and uh, so I was up there and uh, met this girl who was here from Russia. Right? We've been in touch in, uh, through email. Just um, you know, you think about this. She came all the way over from Russia with a, a friend of hers who was living over in Moscow. Mm-hmm. Here she is. You know, she's got a baseball cap. FSP, Free State Project. She's there. She speaks like five languages. She's there hanging out with all these people who come from all over the place: Florida, California. Right. And you think, oh, how did they hear about this? Ah. 
the internet. Yep. It is a community unto its own unto itself and uh it's only going to grow. You right. know, it's like talk radio in its infancy when when the big guy started. You know, when he started in 88, it was because Reagan got got rid of the fairness doctrine. This is a similar thing. Its power has only just begun to be tapped and yeah. and just begun to be understood. And uh, we can continue this, but um, one of the other things I wanted to tie this in was the AMP program. Yeah. You have to remember, it's easy to get online and forget the rest of the world. It's easy to get online and then start talking to everybody about, oh, well, you know, the new web browser and, blah, 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 and all the things that are important to Internet people. But you have to remember, there's still a significant percentage of Americans that are in the dark in the, as far as internet, the Internet is concerned. They don't have it, or they're Luddites, and they're afraid of technology, and they don't, for whatever reason, they're not online, or they're only online for work purposes, and they aren't actually doing anything personal. They're not enriching their personal life. So that's why Free Talk Live's AMP program is also very important as far as spreading liberty is concerned, because we're using the old media, the, the form of radio transmitters, to bring these new ideas of liberty, or old ideas of liberty, uh, you know, these revolutionary ideas, to the and radio is called new media <laughs> to the uh, to the masses. Yeah. So that's an important it's an important prong. It's important to not forget about the people that aren't online. They deserve a revolution too. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Amplifier line. Uh, who is this? Hey, this is Matt from Illinois. Hey, you Matt, you've got about twenty or thirty seconds. What's on your mind? I just wanted to make a correction to something I heard earlier in the show. Great, uh, the UK does have a constitution. They just don't have it all condensed into one. Ah, good point. Good point. Very good. Thanks for the correction. Yes. We appreciate it. I know that uh, New Zealand does not have any form of constitution. If you elect uh, new people in New Zealand, they can completely, 100% change everything about the government. Anyway, it's Benny in here with you. And Guard. And Mark. We will return tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.